Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So this is the uh, the fourth and the final week of Advent, and today we're going to have a conversation about peace. And uh, it's clear that everyone, no matter who you are uh, or what your station in life is, everyone wants more peace. Everyone is in for a more peaceful life. The, the thing that can make this time of year uh, especially difficult is that we all kind of have this expectation that this is supposed to be a, a peaceful time of the year, uh, but there's expectations from family and there's uh, the idea that our Christmas has to be perfect or uh, we have to get the right gift and there's a lot of money to be spent or not spent and uh, it is a really difficult time in spite of all that pressure for it to be peaceful. And I, I think a lot of us have two kind of default responses uh, when we're in pursuit of more peace. I think we all want more peace. And I think most of us have kind of one of, of two default responses. I think we often avoid or we control. We pursue a more peace-filled life by just avoiding those emotions or parts of our life or circumstances that are difficult. And we push down and we avoid in hopes of getting more peace. And the thing that's tempting about avoidance is that it does work for a moment. When we avoid and we push down all those difficult things, we may be able to get like a single breath of peace. I think a lot of us avoid or or, uh, I think a lot of us also control. So instead of pushing down, we just hold as tightly as we can to our little world. And we control every little bit of it. Because if we can control our job, if we can influence our family to be just right, if we can control every part of our day, then maybe we'll get a moment of peace. And and both of these things, uh, avoidance and control, they give us that illusion of things being okay. But it's usually only for a moment. And the story of Christmas, the incarnation of God, God becoming flesh, gives us this new and better pathway to peace, better than avoidance, better than control. It's divine love inviting us into real and lasting peace, not that temporary moment of one breath of peace. It's real and lasting peace. So today we're going to look at a passage from Luke chapter 1, where the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and gives her the news uh, that she is pregnant. And I think this short passage gives us a look at how divine love moves us away from avoidance and control and towards peace. So let's look at this. This is Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 28. It says, The angel went to her, to Mary, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So let's let's talk for a moment about Mary. Uh, I think we need to uh, spend a little time just showing Mary some love and appreciation. I grew up in a in a Protestant uh, conservative 
context. And I, I think maybe we were so afraid of what we perceived uh, the Catholic Church to be doing with Mary. We kind of perceived that uh, Catholicism was deifying Mary. And so instead of doing that, we just ignored Mary altogether. Uh, or uh, maybe a harder truth would be that we ignored Mary because she's a woman and uh, we didn't give women a lot of credit or honor in the religious spaces that I grew up in. But as a quick reminder, uh, the Christmas story is a story about the faithfulness of women. It's Mary being faithful and then singing her amazing song, which is right after this passage that we just read. And that song, by the way, it's a prophecy. In the little titles that you have in your Bible, if you're a Bible reader, uh, it'll say Mary's song. And then if you keep reading, a guy named Zechariah gets a prophecy, but it's, it's almost the exact same form. And what Mary's doing is she's prophesying. She's a prophet. And it's Elizabeth who, when her husband has been silenced by God, she says, the Lord has done this. The Lord is bringing Jesus. And it's the prophet Anna, who is an 84-year-old widow, who sees the newborn Jesus, uh, newborn Jesus in the temple and gives thanks to God. This whole Christmas story is a story about women, young and old, who are put at the forefront because of their faithfulness. So back, back to uh, Mary for a second. Mary was most likely born in Nazareth, a tiny town of about 1,500 people during the reign of Herod the Great, who was a very violent ruler, kind of propped up by the Roman military. Mary belonged to the peasant class, which means she was a, a very poor working class. Likely her family farmed a small piece of land or was involved in a trade like carpentry, which was the, the trade of, of Joseph and then of Jesus. The peasant class made up about 90% of the population at the time and uh, had a triple tax burden. They had a tax burden uh, to Rome, they had a tax burden to Herod the Great, and they had a tax burden to the temple, even though they were the poorest of the poor. And in Palestine at the time, uh, women ordinarily married at about 13 years of age in order to maximize their childbearing years and to guarantee their virginity. So Mary at this time, we get the story, she's engaged to be married. She's likely 13. She's a child. Uh, but it would be foolish to think that Mary was fragile. Uh, we get uh, in the story that she's capable of walking the hill country of Judea while pregnant, giving birth in a stable, sleeping in the open country like the other pilgrims she was with. She was definitely not fragile. Uh, but we can assume, at, at least in some ways, that Mary needed peace. She's part of this peasant class with a triple tax burden. She needed peace before this angel comes to her and tells her that she's pregnant. And after the angel tells her that she most definitely needed peace, she's now carrying religious and family and cultural stigma because she's unmarried and pregnant. Mary needed peace. So let's look at what happens in this passage. The angel comes to Mary and it says that Mary is greatly troubled, which makes total sense because an angel appears out of nowhere and says, Hi, Mary, how are you? It says Mary is greatly troubled. And after uh, it says Mary is greatly troubled, the angel says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And I think a lot of times uh, we read these stories uh, of Mary and Joseph or the story of the shep uh, shepherds. All, all of them include this phrase, do not be afraid. And we just pull those four words out and we make that the entire point of the story that we say, I guess we should just be less afraid. And I think that uh, tendency is our um, 
our routine because we just avoid those feelings of fear. And we say, of course, we're just supposed to be afraid less because that's the easiest thing to do. We just push it down and avoid it. But I don't think that's what happening is what happening is what's happening here. Divine love isn't telling us to avoid or push down the fear. The first thing that happens here with Mary is that divine love sees her. The, the comforting words of the angel are an indication that she is seen. The, the angel sees the fear on Mary's face, had, had to have seen the confusion and the fear. Divine love sees you. And then it says, the angel says, you have found favor with God. Divine love sees and then affirms. Or this is how we move away from that tendency to avoid all those difficult things. We allow ourselves to be seen and then affirmed. We allow that fear and that anxiety and that grief and all those that difficulty in our life, we allow it to be seen and then affirmed, not avoided. Right? You and all that comes with you have found favor with God. Divine love sees you. Divine love affirms you, and then divine love embraces you. With Mary here, as the angel describes what's about to happen to her, it says that the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And this word overshadow in the Greek, it's a uh, like a lot of the words in Greek, it's a little hard to translate. And it's kind of a word picture that's given to us that we're totally swept up or engulfed, kind of like in a storm is the picture that's given, that we're being held or that we're lost within, fully embraced, that the power of God will hold you, engulf you, embrace you. And there's no need for perfection if you're being held by divine love. There's no need for control if you're totally swept up in the perfect presence of God. This is our pathway to peace. Our pathway away from avoidance and control. We allow ourselves to be seen, to be affirmed, and then to be embraced. And this is the story of God becoming flesh, that God sees humanity, that God really sees us for who we are. And as an act of sacred affirmation, God becomes flesh. God embraces the world, that God doesn't push against our humanity or avoid it. He embodies our humanity and he doesn't try to control when he shows up. In fact, he gives up all of his control all the way to death. This is the way of divine love. We are seen, we are affirmed, and we are embraced. In a uh, particularly painful and chaotic moment in my own life, uh, I met with two of my mentors on the same day. So I had a breakfast with one and a lunch uh, with another, and uh, I was trying to process uh, some of the pain and the trauma that I was feeling. And when I showed up to each of these meetings, it was just written on my body. I was just feeling heavy. And uh, I sat down with both of them, and I shared the exact same story, one at breakfast, one at lunch, of the pain I was feeling, of the heaviness I was feeling. And, and the, the first man looked at me. And he said, um, sometimes that's just how it goes. And he changed the subject. And then I went to lunch with the next guy, still heavy 
and burdened. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. And I told the same story again about my pain and my suffering and how I wasn't really able to see a way forward. And the second guy looked me and looked me square in the eyes and he said, um, no one should have to go through what you went through. You didn't deserve it. And the fact that you are here is a miracle. I'll never forget. He looked me in the eyes and said, you are a walking miracle. And then he stood up and he gave me a hug. He saw me. He affirmed me. He embraced me. It was divine love in the flesh. No avoidance, no ability or need to control or make something perfect. I was seen. I was affirmed. I was embraced. So for you, uh, are, are you looking for more peace? My assumption is yes. Are, are, are you more likely to use avoidance or control as a way to get that temporary feeling of peace? Are you, are you more likely to use avoidance or control? Now, I, I uh, likely use both of those uh, defense mechanisms, but uh, I think more often than not, I avoid uh, and mostly because uh, it can be slow work to walk through those difficult feelings. It can be really slow and really hard. And most of the time, I am in a hurry emotionally. I'm trying to just get through it as fast as possible. So a lot of times I avoid and push down so that I don't have to do that slow, hard work. If you're a person that's avoiding, wonder what you're avoiding. You could name it today. Maybe it's fear. Maybe grief or sadness. Maybe you're just exhausted. wonder what you're avoiding today. And if it's control that you typically lean towards, well, I wonder if you could just consider um, how far that control has gotten you. If that need to control and make things perfect, if that's... Um, if that's brought you closer in any relationships, maybe it's just kept people away. How far has that control mechanism gotten you? And today, do you believe that God sees you and affirms you and embraces you? Do you believe that? Do you trust that? And what, what would it take for you to accept that acceptance? Maybe this week you could just practice that way of divine love with yourself. So when you feel an uncomfortable emotion, when you feel that fear or anxiety or grief or sadness, maybe don't try to push against it. Maybe don't try to tighten your grip of control. Do your best to try to see it. Whatever that feeling is, try to see it, affirm it, and embrace it. Maybe just try reminding yourself that whatever those feelings are, that it's just a good reminder that your body is good and it's working, that your body's trying to keep you safe. Maybe you could just speak that to yourself as a way to affirm and embrace and really see yourself. You could say, wow, my body is good and it's working. Right? It's, my body is what God created. And at Christmas, we're reminded that God embodied a body like we have. Your body is good. And it works. Maybe you could just try saying that this week. But this is our pathway to peace, understanding and expressing that divine love that we are seen, we are affirmed, we are embraced.
So after the angel speaks all of this to Mary, and of course she's troubled, the angel speaks this message of peace. Then in verse 38, it says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, and may your word to me be fulfilled. Mary trusts, she surrenders, she just lets go. Of course she's scared, she's troubled, but she surrenders. Before uh, Ellis was born, Katie and I uh, went on a baby moon. We saved up and we used all of our credit card points and uh, we went to Hawaii and it was awesome. It was so, so good. Highly recommend. And uh, while we were there, we went snorkeling and uh, I had never been snorkeling before. It was uh, really fun besides getting the worst sunburns of our life. It was really, really fun. And uh, it was a be- it was as beautiful of a thing as I have ever seen to be underwater uh, in Hawaii seeing uh, kind of nature without a lot of filter. It was beautiful. But I had this problem when I was snorkeling. So uh, I would go under with the goggles and the snorkel and the tube and the whole thing. Uh, and I would hold my breath. So I would get about 20, maybe 30 seconds underwater in the waves to get to see the expansive beauty. And then I would pop my head up totally out of breath and exhausted. But I was, I was scared, I think. And instead of trusting the resources I had been given, I avoided that fear and I grasped onto control as hard as I could and popped my head out of the water. But what that avoidance and that control meant for me was that I didn't get to experience near as much beauty for nearly as long as I could have because all I was was exhausted. And maybe today the only thing between you and the peace that you so desperately need is the act of letting go, surrender, trust. Because this experience that we are all in, this whole experience, it is beautiful. It is expansive beauty, breathtaking. But all that control and all that avoidance isn't bringing you peace. It's just keeping you from experiencing that beauty for near as long and near as much as you could. And to be honest, it's just making you exhausted. And so gather, this is my prayer for you today. Surrender to divine love. Trust and let go. Be swept up and held by the beauty and wonder of this breathtaking experience. You are made for peace. No more control, no more avoidance. Live as one who is seen, affirmed, and embraced. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.